0: And the Zoomer Chef uh,
1: of Zoomer Chef, chef.
2: Zoo I love chef. it. Zoomer, I'm the Zoomer Chef. Yes, I told indeed. you I was tired, and it's obviously contagious. <laughs> now,
1: the Zoo Chef of the Garden, Frank Proctor, here, and uh, welcome along to the show. Uh, we've got kind of a nice day out there.
2: Yes, uh, very nice day. The temperatures are far better for being outside. Mm-hmm. I feel so clear air, um, and yeah, nice working weather. Nice. I understand tomorrow
1: though is going to be really hot and humid. Kind of. Oh, is ooh, it? It's going to rain yeah.
2: overnight. I think. Twenty
1: nine mm. degrees and it feel like thirty nine. Oh
0: something like that. yuck! So,
1: mm, mm. Enjoy your work outside today. Today, okay, get out, yeah. yeah. And I was mentioning something when we got together right off the bat, uh, and you strolled in the studio. Um, we both love trees. You we, know? Yes, we do. Oh, and we, oh, I better get the phone numbers. I was huh? going to say. Yeah, that's a very good idea. That
2: is your job, after all, being the, <laughs> yeah. the Zoomer she, chef of the show. After 10 years, she
1: still reminds me, it's your job, get the phone numbers. Okay, in Toronto, we want to talk to Charlie Dobbin, and I know you'd love to. 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Our little mantra goes this way, call early, call often one question per call, although some of you get real sneaky and
2: it. Yeah, I know, but Patrolman uh,
1: I'm ready with a ticket book. Um, <laughs> and Joshua is our operator today, and if uh, you are a first-time caller, please let him know. And when you get to the air, just before you speak, there yeah, they uh, I didn't bring my whistle. No. The whistle's
2: in the car. i got to run out during a commercial. I was worried
1: about that all week. (laughs) I thought, oh, I've created a monster. (laughs)
2: That's such a nice whistle. It really got me thinking, you know, birds, right? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned to you, uh, the birds in my backyard are so hungry, and there's so many of them. I'm having trouble keeping my feeders filled. I know winter's coming. They obviously know it, too. And, you know, whether it's finches or big, loud, aggressive blue jays that scare everybody away or... Quiet little cardinals who do their thing. And then I've got a whole bunch of woodpeckers, like just all baby woodpeckers. Yeah, you showed me a video,
1: you're about six inches away from them.
2: babies are so brave. Like, they're just oblivious, right? They don't tune into the fact that you're a human. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I could just reach out and pick it up, right? They're so close. Oh, that's great. So, um, but I just want to let everybody know that, you know, this is the garden show, but we got talking nature because you mentioned birds at your place.
1: Oh my God! We've got two blue herons, mm-hmm. uh, and they took off together uh, along the uh, the water there, and flying about maybe ten feet above the water, just
2: beautiful and big, oh, massive wingspan. Man, those, eh?
1: Probably about five feet, anyway.
2: Wow! So you got and, herons on the one side yeah. and swans on the other. Yeah, and, yes. and
1: there is a bald eagle uh, oh, we've cool. noticed in the last month, and uh, he appears sporadically. And here he was she. there the other day, okay. just on top of a tree that's lost all the, uh, the foliage, and perfect, so it's yeah. very you know yeah, obvious. Perfect yeah. eyesight, you yeah, know, yeah. to yeah. view the pond and perch. Yeah, you know, look over the
2: pick up a fish mm-hmm. or whatever happens to and come
1: they do be handy. Anyway, we better uh, move along here, hadn't we? Uh, what have you got? some... Some announcements you wanted uh, to, get to do? I do,
2: and I know you do too. So, uh, all right, okay, okay, let, okay. Me, let okay. me do mine. Right. I don't have a ton going on. I mean, oh, it's okay. just remi- you know, reminding everybody to get outside, yeah. get your botanical gardens if you're not, mm-hmm. uh, haven't got anything happening right in your own neighborhood. And I know you've got a, an event happening in Etobicoke you're going to share with us. Agent Court Garden Club is holding a pretty wow event. This is for September eighth, so it's two mm-hmm. weeks from from now uh It's their annual flower vegetable and design competition it's a drop in between between two o'clock and four thirty in the afternoon at the Knox United. Christian Education Center which is 2575 Midland and Shepherd the event of course is free open to the public but it's going to be quite beautiful because there's 114 different categories of competition wow and the um, all the different Garden club members enter with the best of their best to win ribbons and hmm. bragging rights so there's cut annual flowers there's cut perennial flowers there's roses there's branches there's vines potted plants fruits vegetables all kinds of stuff, So, pretty fun. And to be judged, tea room on site for light refreshments and home baking. So, do it. Get there if you can. Ex-
1: okay, excellent. Um, I'd mentioned to you uh, just before we walked into the studio that I noticed that uh, we both love trees. We do. And uh, Centennial Park Tree Tour is on at Centennial Park in Etobicoke, where you can tomorrow from 2 to 4... Uh, it's all—it's free, by the way. You can learn about the importance of trees, how to take care of them, on a guided tree tour, followed by an optional hands-on tree care activity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's—and you can find out more about the new Adopt a Park Tree program. i, I don't know anything about that, so I have to look it up. Adopt a Park Tree? Uh, no, I dropped. Yeah, adopt, adopt, a tree. adopt a Park Tree.
2: Oh, oh, a Park Tree. For, oh, yeah, a Park okay. Tree. Okay, right, a Park Tree. So a tree yeah. in a park. Yeah. Adopt and be—be yeah. be the person who's in charge, making yeah. sure it's looked after, and there's no garbage. I think that's really or, nice. You know that kind of. So it's great. And you know, it's funny. I don't really think of Centennial Park as having that many trees, but I guess they have grown in there over the years. I guess so. Because that's the place where there's the, it used to be a garbage dump oh, and they really, built yeah. the ski hill. Like it, oh, they right. covered yeah, yeah. the garbage mound, with probably soil. pipes
1: to get rid of the methane gas. Right, and the hill just yeah.
2: keeps getting smaller and smaller, right, as it decomposes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. It wasn't well, that big to start so with. Something, <laughs> something maybe
1: to do for you tomorrow. That's tomorrow, uh, right? Yeah. Okay,
2: lovely. Good Alrighty. idea.
1: Yep. Okay, we're going to be uh, moving along here very, very shortly after we take our first commercial break and say hi to Maureen. Uh, in
0: Beamsville. In
1: Beamsville, yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Out, bomb along me. to Beamsville momentarily okay. here on The Garden Show with Charlie dobbin
0: fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio well charlie uh, as i
1: mentioned we're going to bounce along to beamsville and say hi to maureen hi maureen welcome
2: to the show
3: Good morning to both of you. How are you well, both?
2: Great. Excellent.
3: Okay, Charlie, I'm going to enlarge and reshape my front garden, mm-hmm. and it contains various types of, of um, perennials.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So if I say the perennial, can you tell me whether it's spring or
2: fall? Huh. Okay, I I can, but it sounds like that could take a while. So what we should take that long. Well well you know what's the rule of thumb? And actually it's a great question because this is exactly what I'm doing too. Um moving perennials, potting up stuff. So the rule of thumb, the spring flowering perennials, so coming to mind would be peonies as an example. Anything that blooms in the spring, that's you know, early in the season, gets moved in the fall. So moved, transplanted Dug, divided, whatever is a, f- that's when you do it. Whereas the late or the summer blooming perennials like sedum comes to mind or right. mums that are all asters are all go- coming into bloom now. They get moved in the spring. <laughs> so basically what you do, if you can, is you dig, you divide, you transplant when the plant is not flowering. You, because you, you don't want to impact the flowers. So, so that's one reason. But the other reason is because um, if you do, like, if you start digging and dividing plants, you're stressing them, they have to grow new roots, and if they're... Blooming at the same time, a lot of energy goes into bud and bloom and seed formation. So we want all energy to go into root growth. So if you had to dig a a peony in the spring, I would recommend you dig it, but that you remove the flowers as part of the process. Don't let it flower that year.
3: Well, what would a yucca be then? Because I've only had a bloom on that once.
2: Yeah. Yuccas are a bit tough to move because they do have a tap root. Um, So when you're digging that up, keep that in mind. It's got like a big long carrot underneath, right? A long, deep root. So you want to not break that root when you're digging and dividing that one or digging and moving that one. Um, So when do they bloom? Uh, They typically will bloom... You know, it's a good point. I haven't seen any yuccas blooming this year. And last year, they all bloomed. So so, yeah, it's just it's a seasonal thing. It's a, you know, things come in waves. So they will typically be blooming in July, which they didn't do this year. They'll bloom next year. So okay. I would dig that anytime you want. Fall or spring the yucca. Okay,
3: okay, that's okay. a help then. Okay, thanks, thanks Maureen.
1: Yeah, take care of Beamsville for uh, us. I'll do that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All righty. Hey, you we're, we're off to Aurelia now. There's a, a new, uh, a first-time caller nice. on the line. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's for Ron. Good morning, Ron.
2: Good morning to both of you. Good morning. So uh, we're up here in Aurelia, like yeah. you just said. I'm a new caller. Yeah. Anyhow, we have a hydrangea in the backyard. That my it's called. I think it's an ever-blooming one. It was a pink flower. Oh yeah. And last uh, fall, my wife cut it right down to, I think, within probably a foot of the above ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, it didn't bloom at all. Like we have, it's just full of green foliage. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So when did you plant it? Whoops. Oh, did I lose you? Uh, Okay. So here's the trick. This is the number one question. Mm. If I look back over ten years of doing the Garden Show and answering questions for one hour once a week, which is a lot of hours. Yep. The number one question is, how come my hydrangea isn't blooming? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's very frustrating because they are promoted as being a guaranteed to bloom plant. Sometimes we see them and they're gorgeous and we want them. Mm. The one that that Ron likely has, he mentioned it's ever-blooming. It's probably called Endless Summer. And the the claim to fame of that plant is that it should bloom on not only last year's growth, so not this past 2018, but 2017 growth, but also this year's growth. Now, uh, Ron mentioned his wife cut it right down in the fall. So she took away all the 2017 growth when she cut it all down. However, in the spring, we got all... Growth, and that was the 2018 growth, and there should be all kinds of buds and blooms, and mm. there isn't, and that's unfortunately the, the reality of this plant. It's not, it's not consistent. It's known for that. Yeah, yeah, and it's frustrating because you, you you buy it in flower, you expect it to flower, you have visions of it being in flower, and then one year you get no flowers. Next year you get ten. So be patient, Ron. If it's a fairly new plant, it could just be a, getting established process if uh or it could just be one of those vagaries of the season Mm -hmm. this year no blooms next year you'll get lots uh and we do see that with a lot of plants you know think of apple trees one year lots of blooms and fruit next year not so much so quite common uh, it's a lot of energy required to make those flowers so um but if it ends up not blooming again next year ron give us a call all righty. You might have to uh, go to some of your
1: email uh, I have content. Lots. Do you good because we have a complete open board here, I know. which very rarely happens. That's Let correct. me give you the phone numbers. though, in case you're saying, "Wow, today would and right now would be a good time to call it." You bet it is. Uh, in Toronto, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six. and you are tuned to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty
2: Village. Don't be a stranger. Exactly. Pick up that phone. Put (laughs) it in speed dial. (laughs) Oh,
1: that's a good idea.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Then you, you know, because people say, I can never get through. I had some very long email. Come in. Mm-hmm. So it's people taking advantage of the fact that there's no no limit to the number of questions. <laughs> yeah. So I got, you know, a couple of novels written by people, photographs, long history of stories of what happened and how it got there, which is good. I mean, you know, you need that information and uh, so I'm always glad to get that information, but those people I did not print off their email and I'm not even sure if I answered all of them. So be patient, I will get to your those email eventually but I brought with me uh, a couple one is for this one's from Tara and she writes to say she loves the show Uh, Loves the common sense approach. Felt empathy for the caller who had to deal with quack grass. That was Bob in in Bob. Oh, sorry. Quack grass in Bob Cajun. Really did. She said, I spent hours and hours each year here in Erin getting rid of her own quack grass. So question is about the powdery mildew that she gets every year about this time on her zucchini plants. Is there any preventative action I could have taken? Anything I could do now? Right. This is uh, with the rain we've had this year, whenever we have a wet or you know, high humidity growing season, mm-hmm. those are the, that's the conditions for the mildews to grow, particularly the powdery mildew. So this year, we saw, we're seeing lots. Last year, we saw even more because, again, it was super wet growing season last year. So what can you do other than control the rain, which you can't do? <clears throat> Plant your zucchinis or any susceptible plants susceptible to mildews right. mm-hmm. in situations where they're getting a maximum amount of sun, so six hours minimum of direct sunlight every day when the sun shines, and good air circulation. So get them out where they're going to get some wind right. and make sure you've got them spaced properly. You will lower your incidence of mildew dramatically in the presence of good air and good sun. Preventative action is a good thing because, yes, you can't do it. <clears throat> Once the mildew's there, you can't do anything about it. So to prevent mildew, there are... Fungicides that are used as preventative. So when the weather is wet, high humidity, gray days, get out your liquid sulfur. It'll say right on it, Mm -hmm. garden sulfur. Follow the instructions. Uh, There's also Bordeaux mixture, B-O-R-D, as in dog, O, Bordeaux. Powder you mix with water, copper sulfate. Uh, Again, follow the instructions. The high temperatures we've had over the last few weeks, up until the last few days, Not conducive for using any sprays or fertilizers. That extreme heat is super hard on plants, so even soap in that high heat would cause a plant to just curl up and die so be aware of that as well you know extreme weather we don't want to do any crazy spraying we just got to work our way through till we get to days like today's perfect right so get on that and uh and yes she asked again for the the recipe for the tomatoes (laughs) oh oh yeah so where's where's uh uh, our buddy warner when we need yeah i should mark this page all right what it is is the everybody get your pencils Water bottle, cut out the bottom, stick it in the ground um, with, with the, the small. L- small and yeah. with the uh, lid off, obviously. Mm. Uh, small and into the ground at the base of each tomato, you put in a water bottle. Into that water bottle, once a week, you put, and I have to find this, it's two, I know it's two. So it's <clears throat> two teaspoons of skim milk powder and one teaspoon of Epsom salts. Right. And water. Into the bottle. He said it works like a charm. Works like a charm. Warner swears that he's got the best tomatoes in all of Ontario. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, we're up to our first break here.
1: Uh, we have to take another little uh, wander away. In fact, we're going to wander off and talk to Wanda nice. very shortly in Scarborough here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio.
2: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves,
3: marigolds, magnolia,
2: lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums,
0: stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we've got a busy morning happening here. Um,
1: Good stuff. Yes, indeed. Let's take a little ride out to Scarborough. There's Wanda. Good morning, Wanda. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm just wondering, I've got plants like, for instance, basil that are going to seed. Now, how do you dry them, for instance,
2: for winter. Okay, so this is a really good point. We don't typically grow basil for its flowers or its seeds. So as soon as this flowers start to form, which was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you want to nip those flowers off. I've been doing that. Good. Because as the flowers grow, the leaves get bitter and small and turn yellow. You're, ah. And you're typically growing basil for its leaves. So yes. I often will do a multi... Uh, I harvest multi-times when it comes to basil. I'll, do, I'll cut my plants right down. Oh, even a month ago I cut them all right down stripped all the leaves off and I make pesto and freeze it but you can also just freeze the leaves in ziploc bags Um, don't get them wet though they've got to be dry before you freeze them Um, sometimes people will even just um, run them through like a um, sort of using ice cube trays so you can uh, chop them all up and then freeze them into ice cubes if Mm. you will so stuff the ice cube trays with chopped up uh, parsley, for example, or chopped up basil, chopped up rosemary, anything like that, mm-hmm. slowly add a little bit of water so you fill up the cube tray with water freeze it up and then once they're frozen you just stick them into baggies in the fridge into the freezer and then you know you're making soup you're making anything you're making um spaghetti uh scrambled eggs pull out one of these little ice cubes throw it in and there's instant flavor right from you know garden fresh so um so you can dry herbs obviously freeze herbs Uh, preserve them in ways like uh, in oils and vinegars uh, or like I do with pesto. So, um, yes, get on it early in the day. You'll get your best flavors rather than late in the day. So do your harvesting then. Uh, and keep your herbs on the dry side. You'll always have stronger stronger flavors if they're not kept wet all the time.
3: Well, things like uh, lemon balm, mm-hmm. do you just hang them or yeah. do you put them on... Paper? Or that's what I either. mean. How do well, you dry either.
2: them? Well, either. You know, lemon balm, chop it all down, tie some strings, like make bouquets, right, of your lemon balm sprigs, and hang them. If you have a place to hang them, you need, again, good air circulation, no access to rain, so you don't want them getting wet. Uh, they will dry. It'll take uh, a week, 10 days, something like that. Don't leave them hanging beyond the dry point. You will need to strip the dry leaves, bottle them up into a jar, Keep them into a, uh, preferably a dark situation. They'll stay green if they're in the dark and dry. And then you'll use your lemon balm to make teas and and flavor things that way. Well,
3: wow. and, and the um, garlic chives and ordinary chives. Do you? Uh
2: where uh, they're a little t- tough to hang just because there'd be a lot of work tying them into little bouquets. But, yes, I mean, some. I've seen people use like an old screen, an old window screen or an old screen door. Put that up on bricks, lay that out like in your garage or in a covered porch and onto that screen, just spread your herbs. And then every couple of days, flip them. And before you know it, they're all nice and dry. And then preserve, bag, or jar them. It's so okay. Oh, lots, wow. It's just, a, and some people even have dehydrators, mm. right? Like you buy a machine that'll Fast dry your your herbs if you wish. Okay.
1: Do mm. you We're wandering from one question to another. There, have oh. you noticed?
2: <laughs> well, it was all about her herbs. I she know. Wants to know. I know.
1: But we do have to move along. And thank you we so much do. for giving us a call from Scarborough.
2: I I preserve yeah. catnip that way. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just yeah. do like bouquets of catnip, and of course the cats love it. They love
1: it. You <laughs> betcha. Now here's an old friend way up there in White River. Oh, it's Rick find on out the if it's line. snowing up there All yet. All
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Hi Rick. Good morning. Morning. You said snow. <laughs> I, I said the S word. For, how other word. Oh, how? how is it? Not nice. I know. Sorry. It, well, there it's was nice. it's you have had I know they had a frost and like pretty close. Yeah. You didn't yet. Okay, close. No, yeah. it, we're in a Special zone here. <laughs> there you go. I knew what, it. What's going to ask you about is is
1: petunias. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take the seed. Will they grow next year
2: if I, if I take the ze- uh, seeds off? Pot? Did you grow them from seed originally? Yes. Okay. Do you? It depends whether they are. Um, do you know? Do you have the package still? Like the name of? No,
3: the- I don't. I, I bought. I bought some. I bought all
1: kinds, and it's so beautiful. I, So many colors, I want to try to...
2: Yeah, it's worth a try. I mean, they're tiny, tiny seeds. Right. So, um, and you will need to start them, like, right after Christmas. Oh, I guess you know that, because you've already done this. So... um they might be open-pollinated, so they might just come back looking just as beautiful as you see them now. Yeah. But most petunias are so intensely bred and selected for certain qualities that they will not breed true from seed. Really. They are hybrids. And so that would be the, the one thing that we'll, you, you'll, you'll learn. They'll either be you know as beautiful or not. <laughs> if they're not as beautiful, then don't save the seed again.
1: Yeah. Okay. So hit and
2: Well, it's just a question of what kind they are. Chances are they are hybrids, though, because most petunias are, like I said, selected for color or big blooms or, you know, toughness in the weather. They hold up in the rain. Like, there's all these sort of different reasons why petunias are chosen and selected and, and promoted mm-hmm. and grown. So likely they are hybrids and will not breed true. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. Hey, very welcome.
1: Have a, have a, have a great weekend easy, up there yeah. in White River. Boy, oh, boy, that's way up there. Um, it, I'm just looking at the name of the little town we're heading to next, and it's a town that you have visited mm-hmm. uh, to speak to the uh, garden uh, group there, I think.
2: The garden uh, club. Yeah. Tottenham. Tottenham.
1: And there's Lynn, a first time caller. Wait a minute. Oh. There you are. Hi,
2: welcome.
3: Lynn. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, good Hello. morning. This is Lynn, and I would love to say thank you very much for all the help you've given us over the last few years. I've really enjoyed listening to you. People. Nice. Anyway, uh, I have an anthurium, uh-huh. and I've had it for about six years, and it's beautiful, beautiful bushy. It has all kinds of flowers, Nice. but uh, it, I would like to propagate it. How do I go about doing this?
2: <clears throat> if you look closely at the base of the plant, it, it the leaves and the flowers are all growing from a point that's called the crown, and similar to the way a hosta grows, right? So a hosta emerges from the ground as a um, the, you know, the leaves come up and flowers come up. And over the period of years, a single hosta plant will often become many hosta plants, all emerging side-by-side side underground. Anthurium's the same. The way you would propagate it is you need to look closely and see if there's more than one plant there. And it might... Be it probably is. If you've had it that long, you what you would do is uh, lay out your newspaper, put the, lay the plant on its side, pull it out of the pot. Look at the root ball. Look closely. See if there's any obvious place where it will come apart, where it will divide. Uh, if not, or either way, whether it, it looks that way or not, get out your sharp knife and just saw. From the top of the root ball mm. down to the bottom of the root ball, and sever that uh, that whole mess into half or more bits, and then back into pots with fresh potting soil. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, it's that easy. <laughs> so, and best time to do it for best chance of success is when the plant is actively growing, and that would be in the spring rather than the fall. So if you can put it off, I would. But if it's super pot bound and, or you've got friends' birthdays coming and you want to give them a gift, then you're going to have to do it now. But do it sooner rather than later. Don't, don't wait till Christmas. Like Do it now when there's still better day, day length and daylight.
0: Okay.
3: All right. I take apart part of it or should I take apart all of it?
2: Well, you'll take it out of the pot, yeah. and and at that point, it'll be it should be fairly obvious. You you can just s- s- um, slice off a small bit of it if you want. Uh-huh. But usually, what you'll find works best is almost literally slice it in half. It's quite rejuvenating. Uh, it's the way we divide daylilies uh, and hostas. Like I said, we dig them up mm-hmm. and we slice them in half, and then re and and it, oh, it, separating them out like that, you'll rejuvenate. There'll be lots of, of new growth as a result. All right. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn,
1: for joining us here and, on the show. First and time, callers, say huh? hi
2: to Tottenham. Yeah, and I just want to say that when I was at the Tottenham Hort Society this yeah. past June, it was mm-hmm. June twenty first. I was there. They had a um, competition, as so often is the case, that and it was there was cut roses that were being you know were, people were competing with two. There's a, a pair of sisters. Uh, at the, at the show, and they had this beautiful rose, white roses, little cluster, uh, and I don't think they even knew the name of the rose, but they're, the buds, Almost pale blush pink, super super mm, pale, wow. and then they they fade to a white. But the the, the sprig that they had in the competition, and mm-hmm. I've got a picture of it. As you can see, just covered, covered wow. in flowers, like one single little yeah. stem. Hold that up to the camera because oh, folks point. might be uh, tuned in here. Oh, oh, uh, you, can, you can actually oh, oh, oh. catch you There you go. There you go. Oh, the camera just left me, but I'll keep <laughs> holding it. There we go. So you see how pretty that is? Mm-hmm. There's like 50 blossoms on that one wow. stem. I was given that stem because I admired it so much. Brought it home, left it in water on my window ledge, and sure enough roots have grown. So I have I am Propagating that rose isn't that marvelous. So I'm just you know fingers crossed. Keep it alive this winter, and it's because it's going to be a big plant. It's an old fashioned shrub rose. Anybody know the name of it? Let me know.
1: Okay, Um, and boy, this kind of appropriate for my little alliteration contest for the morning. (laughs) Uh, In moments, we're going to be uh, tottering, tottering along from Tottingham to Toronto (laughs) to say (laughs) like to another first
0: time caller here on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: all righty as uh, franklin reaches to the bell get some exercise yes, indeed here we go hey that is the ring for judy first time caller here in toronto hi judy good morning
2: Hi, how are you? Uh, excellent. Hey. Welcome to the show. Um,
3: thank you. I listen to your show all the time and enjoy it a lot. Good. Um, I was just questioning, you gave something uh, about skim milk and Epsom salts for tomato plants. Yes.
2: Can you just repeat what it was? <laughs> we should get this, uh, maybe I'll get it tattooed on my forehead and everybody or, can just yeah, check you can tape check in on, it and we just on ta- the you know, web. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, press play. All right. So remember, this is a gentleman who phoned us and told us this was his trek. Yeah. His name is Warner. He lives in Tilsonburg, and I know he must be getting such a kick out of all these people (laughs) calling to to ask this again. Yeah. So what he does in in the spring when he plants his tomatoes, Uh each plant gets a water bottle planted beside it Uh with a the lid off the neck into the ground and the bottom cut off yes then once a week he sprinkles 2 teaspoons of skim milk powder uh-huh 1 teaspoon of epsom salts uh-huh and water into the bottle uh-huh. And, of course, the water will dilute the milk and the salts, the Epsom yeah. salts, and that will slowly percolate out of the bottle down to at the roots of the plant. And he said it works very well because that way the raccoons and the skunks don't get all excited about the milk because it's taken right down underground. And it works very, very well. And his tomatoes are very happy.
3: Oh, uh-huh. because I I put salt actually, and my tomatoes are quite good. But I thought I would like to try this
2: one. <laughs> yeah. So you put regular salt, like yeah, table salt. Yeah, I put salt? regular salt actually. Not a good idea. No. No, because regular salt is sodium chloride. Yeah. And we have enough sodium in our natural soils that you don't need to. Add. I mean, sodium is required by plants, but not in large quantities. Yeah.
3: Well, I only put it at the when they're beginning to grow. So, um, and I don't put any.
2: More after that. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not an. Not amendment. a good idea. Okay, I, I will recommend. try this one and but, see. But remember, Epsom salt is magnesium <laughs> and sulfur. So the the term salt is is kind of misleading you know, a bit. yeah like table salt is something that we obviously put on our food and road salt same stuff it's all sodium chloride it melts ice but it is that can be toxic to plants if the concentrations are too high unlike epsom salts which is completely required by plants the magnesium and the sulfur that epsom salts is made out of mm-hmm. all right so yeah but thank good you, idea. thank you for joining us, Judy. And uh, just in case anybody's wondering, this we're just talking Epsom salts that you buy at a drugstore, yeah. right? Yep. Same stuff you bathe your feet in when they're sore. Or and you had moments
1: ago been uh, uh, on the computer and I love this Epsom website. salts council. It's and the they web- advise you on how yeah. you, you can use Epsom salts in so many ways. Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a non-profit, EpsomSaltCouncil.org. Yeah. So, yeah, EpsomSaltCouncil.org. The uses and the benefits of Epsom salts, and there's many. <laughs>
1: well, there you. Are. We should send him a, a bill for all the fine advertising we're doing for him.
2: he would got her buy some shares in <laughs> yeah. an Epsom salt yeah, company. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, off to Milton. Let's uh, let's go out there. Uh, there's Sandra. Good morning, Sandra.
3: Morning. Good morning. I have a question, and um, just just I'd like the history of the what I know as a tomato hornworm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that the correct... uh,
2: Well, it's It's a very large green caterpillar with a horn off its rear end.
3: Um, I've got about a dozen plants this year. Mm. And I guess in the last couple of weeks, I've picked off about a dozen of these critters. Uh. And I'm wondering if there's something that you can see, like the larva, before they emerge and what they turn into. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very, very... I don't give them a chance to turn into
2: well, anything. What you're doing is the right thing because you need to scout for something like this. Uh, oh, yeah. Of course, there is a smaller larva before there's that massively big larva. It grows. It hatches from an egg and grows. It grows very fast because it eats a lot. It does. Um, the... Overnight. Overnight, yeah. Oh, wow. And and they're the exact same color as the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So they're very well camouflaged. And
3: even if you see a tomato leaf turn... Turned like um, not turned, but um See that. curling? Yeah. You think it's one of them, but it's not.
2: <laughs> no, that's right. But it does f- see. Th- but this is great because this is exactly what gardening is all about. It's going and visiting your garden and oh, yes. inspecting uh, your plants and stroking them, admiring them, looking closely at them, and suddenly realizing that there's some green bugs, yeah. the exact same che- color, Sandra,
1: uh, chewing. Charlie has brought up some pictures of this darn thing on the. Have monitor you ever here. seen this they before? They are ugly, yeah, man. You've
2: never seen this before, and they grip very well yeah. along the branch yeah they yeah they hold on to you yeah. too when you, how, how are you destroying them
3: i am i have my garden gloves on with the little pimples in the palm oh yeah and, and i just give them a yank and i drop them into a pail of plain water.
2: Okay. Oh, right. And they, okay. they drown in there? And they drown. Yeah, they can't get out of that uh, I, of water. My
3: husband, he used to just stomp on them, but I can't <laughs> do that. I can't do that. But they're so large. Oh, <laughs> gee. Some people
2: can squish, the, squish them in their hands. Like, I'm not very good at squishing on my hands, no. either. I can stomp, but but a really big insect like this would be really messy to stomp no. What do they turn into? Uh, okay, so good question. I believe they turn into a moth, uh-huh. and that will happen uh, as the season progresses towards, I, like, I'd have to actually, I can't remember the the entire life cycle. I think what it is, is the, the larva, of course, pupates, so yeah. it, the little cocoon, emerging from that cocoon will be a moth. That moth will... And actually, it's a really pretty moth. It's a, it's called a sphinx moth. Huh. That's what the tomato hornworm turns mm-hmm. into. So it's got the eyes on the wings. Very, It's a lo- very large Isn't moth. That the one that's sort of brown and beige? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had those a few, well, several, many years ago, decades ago. Well, there you go. So uh, those laid uh, the eggs that uh, overwinter, I'm pretty sure they overwinter as eggs, probably in debris or in the soil. And then in the spring, of course, the eggs hatch and the little larvae emerge and they start chewing and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, I mean, I could double check, but I'm pretty sure that it's a one-year life cycle like that. The the part of the life cycle that does the eating is the larval part, the caterpillar part, not the moth part. Um, you can, there is something out there called B as in Bob, T as in Tom. So B-T, T. Uh, you'll see the package will be called B-T. It's Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a bacteria. It's either liquid or powder. You mix with water. You spray your tomatoes uh, early. In the season with BT, and that does a very good job of uh, killing the hornworms. So, uh, because the bacteria um, attacks their body, like on the skin of their bodies where it's very soft, gets in and causes them to die. It's quite effective. So that's if you don't want to go out there and pick and squish all the time, BT is an excellent way to kill them as well.
3: Okay, well, thank you very much. You're very welcome.
2: i gonna to
1: have to. I wrote that down. I like the sound of that. All right. Well, Thera, I, Theragiansis.
2: Yes, T H U R.
1: Oh, I wrote it phonetically
2: so I could say it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And And then it's I-G-I-E-N, I I think. Okay.
1: We have to take a a little break here in the meantime. uh, But Evelyn, uh, you're on the line there, and you'll be next to have a little chat with uh, our very
0: own Charlie
1: Dobbin here on Sumer Radio.
0: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, you know, Charlie, as we uh, approach the...
1: the <laughs> I to say the rear end of the show. Hear <laughs> me.
2: <laughs> well, well, it is. Yes. Okay. It, right. is. it, yeah. is. it yeah. is. It's not well, normally yeah. how we would uh, no, you know, address no, no. the You're closing <laughs> of the show. But You're absolutely however. right. Mm. All right,
1: Frank, some decorum, <laughs> please. Um, yeah, we have all I'm saying say, you might be able to get through in a line to Charlie. Uh, if you call right now. If you call right now. <laughs> Okay, in Toronto four, one. Jeez, the ass end of the show. 416 six, 740 I did. And then uh, anywhere in the province toll free 1-866-740-4740 and there's Evelyn here in Toronto. Hi Evelyn. Glad to be on the rear end.
2: <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Nobody's <laughs> going to call <him> now. <laughs> oh, it's good to have a laugh. Um, just a question. I think it's been asked before. Uh, we have a large
3: anthill mm. in our uh, front yard, which is south facing. Mm. And we've had a lawn service and tried various things and to no avail. And just wondering if there's any cure for this.
2: <laughs> so it's been there for a couple of years, has it? It has It's so frustrating. I know. They're not... It's very hard to get rid of, actually, and and you... Uh, we, we've talked about ants in the past. Like it's, You'll never kill all the ants in that hill. What you want to do is you want to make the environment such an unhappy place that the ants pick up their eggs and go somewhere else. And and so one of the things I'll often do is, uh, because you, you're right, they love that dry, sunny, well-drained location. And, of course, they m- move all the soil particles around, so that's why we, it ends up like a big mound. Mm-hmm. And there's all those tunnels underneath. So you get out a shovel. Okay. And you jump onto that shovel and you open the mound up. So that means, you know, literally getting down. If it's been there for a while, you're going to want to, you know, get down at least the full You know, height or depth of the shovel so digging down, opening and of course the ants are all quite upset when you're doing this and they're grabbing the eggs and they're scurrying around and running you have on hand next to you a couple things. One is you've boiled a kettle so you've got some boiling water with you uh, and you immediately pour that onto some of these scurrying ants you can get a hold of something called Bug Be Gone or it'll have like ant killer on the the, um, it's a pyrethrin based insecticide. You start spraying that or pouring that onto the ants, that will certainly slow down a bunch of them. Some people will pull out a flamethrower at a time like this because there are flamethrowers for weed control, Mm. and you can certainly do something like that if you're nowhere near anything too burnable, like a fence or a garage or a tree. Uh, Sometimes people will, um, uh, you know, again, if you're not close to anything dangerous... Pull, you know, pour gasoline and light that on fire and just create a situation where the ants are just not happy and they will pick up their eggs and move over to the neighbors is what you want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it's like there's really you just you will not kill them. You just have to really make life unhappy for them. Just pouring water on them isn't going to do it, though. You've got it's got to be boiling water or it's got to be some kind of, you know, toxic chemical to make life unhappy for them. You know, bug is not that toxic. To, certainly not to us, but it is to them. Okay. Good luck. Yeah.
1: And thank you, Evelyn, for being involved in this portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this particular um, yes, portion. Yes, indeed. Uh, I do believe uh, uh, Diane in Woodbridge is on the line right is now. Is willing Let's...
2: to also participate in uh, well, this yes. portion, it
1: sounds like. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the show, Diane.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, Good morning. Good morning to both of you. Nice talking
3: to you. I have some mint in the backyard. Yes. And I'd like to know, is there any way I can... Control it? uh well do something with it for over the like
2: oh utilize it somehow and um, invite don't. a bunch of friends over and make some mojitos <laughs> oh, there <you> go <laughs> it's the best <laughs> use for mint that i can ever think of uh or Pick up some lamb and make some nice little barbecued lamb. With, I but love. can it be mint. frozen? Like, can you take the leaves yeah. and freeze them, or uh, how would you do it? Well, or? yeah. And if you were listening earlier in the show, we had a call from Wanda and Scarborough, and she was asking the same thing: is how do I preserve some of my my herbs? Freezing is great. Freezing or drying are the mo- most common ways of preserving. Mint can be preserved just stripping the leaves uh, from the stems, drying them thoroughly, uh, make sure there's not no moisture on them at all, and then just pack them into little. Ziploc bags and stick them in the freezer and do it in small enough quantities that, you know, you pull out a Ziploc bag and you can make some tea with that bag full, you can make some marinade for your lamb, you can make a mojito, whatever. So, it's roughly, you know, five, six, ten leaves in each little Ziploc bag. Um, you just... just like take them off the plant and just let let them dry out. Yeah, I would give them if, if the plant is close to the ground. I would be giving them a wash off because you don't want to be preserving the dirt on them. Um, they're likely in they're on your property. You know what they've been exposed to in terms of sprays and dog pee and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, I often sometimes I don't even wash herbs depending on how they've been grown and how close they are to the soil. But um, but yeah, very simple or cut and hang upside down into it. Li- little bunches and preserve dried. And then again, strip from the stems once they're dry, crumble up, loosely crumble up those leaves and put them into jars or something that's uh, jars in a dark cupboard uh, or a dark colored jar uh, and uh, keep them dry, keep them Cool, and keep them out of bright daylight.
3: So you take the leaves basically off the stems. You sir. do.
2: The stems tend to be quite woody on our herbs, but the leaves yeah. are where all the flavor is. Yeah.
3: Okay. It's okay. let will
2: we'll see what we can do. Right yeah. Okay. Keep, Thank keep you for
3: calling.
1: Diane. Thank you very much for the call. Um, golly, we're just about on a racetrack here. We are. Uh, and I look forward to coming back uh, this afternoon, 1 o'clock till 3.30. I had a peek at the music uh, sheet that we have, you know. The, and? The, the, wow. Have we Good got stuff? some, oh, some Dance Zoomer music? hits you're going to be singing along with and Tapping Your Toe, to. I like it. It's just going to be great. Yeah, And no, so I'm these are like
2: hits from, from my era, like <gasps> yeah. the
1: 80s or whatever. Well, 60s, 70s, 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even in the 90s, you know. Oh, I don't know anything some, about music in the 90s. <laughs> well, you might be surprised. <laughs> really? you know. Yeah. Okay. Some Michael Buble stuff. Uh, mm. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh, you, you like the 50s, 60s, I'll bet you.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. I I mean, I was always kind of... I like Simon and Garfunkel, but then I like Grateful Dead. How about the Eagles?
1: You like the Eagles? Yeah, Yeah. they're
2: a bit wussy, but... (laughs)
1: Now, see, I drifted into territory. I shouldn't even uh, gotten involved in there. Just let me tell you, you folks are going to love the music, regardless of what Charlie
2: says. Absolutely. It's,
1: yeah. It's so you got to listen. Yeah.
2: And even if you do have... What time the show on? When? From 1 through till 3.30. So about 3 o'clock yeah. is what you would call the ass end yeah. of the show? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, the yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> 1 to 3.30. Listen to Frank this afternoon. And I want to thank Joshua. He's done a fine job this uh, this saturday we missed sebastian but he'll be back next week see you all again (laughs) next saturday
0: this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740